one of the big pieces of news over the last uh, couple of days has been um, a, um, a, a substack by a gentleman called uh, Peter uh, Halligan. Peter Halligan has been looking, uh, he, he's a most experienced uh, analyst, ex in uh, financial industry, extremely used to looking at statistics and um, translating them into a summary statement. And this is the summary statement, and I hope your leaders are sitting down, holding themselves, because what I'm going to tell you intuitively sounds ridiculous. That's why it's so incredibly important that I say this. These numbers are best estimates at this point in time using government data for the global consequences of the clock shot in terms of death and morbidity, otherwise known as serious adverse events such as heart attack, strokes, pulmonary, pulmonary emboli, etc. We've been focusing for good reason on North American statistics during the last two and a half years. But this man has extrapolated that into the total effect, negative effect, of the clock shot. And these are the numbers. Deaths, global deaths, directly attributable to the vaccine, 20 million. Two zero million deaths due to the clot shot, and two billion big B, two billion serious adverse reactions of the type I described. Now these numbers are beyond staggering. They to, to contrast that with history. Um, vaccines have typically been pulled from the market when the last one, the, the birth of the vaccine, was pulled with only 35, 35 deaths. Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beacon Podcast. Canadian events for the regular people. And that's that Canadian doctor, eh? Yep. Twenty billion adverse side effects. Billion or million? Twenty billion. Twenty million dead. Two point two billion injuries from the jab. And also not included are the future deaths that we're anticipating from a rapid increase in the rate of cancer uh, presentations. Unreal. Unreal. Now, welcome. Uh, you got the Canadian Beacon podcast, another exciting night in, in Canada. And today we're joined by Todd and Craig. And we're going to be uh, we've got all kinds of news uh, happening right now. Just a, a lead off for right off the bat, we're going to talk about uh, dis or bring to the attention of everybody the COVID vaccine. A esteemed pathologist, Canadian pathologist, has been linked up with a financial post uh, stat statistician, and they were able to uh, figure out so far. Um, 
since the vaccine has been introduced, that there has been 20 million deaths. That's two zero million people dead from the vaccine, from the jab, and 2.2 billion people with serious adverse effects. That's not just minor, but serious adverse effects. So again, 20 million dead, 2.2 billion people, adverse side effects. Okay, and and let's take that in perspective. Todd, do you know how many people have died worldwide from COVID? Haven't a clue. Yeah. This listing is... 6.5 6.5 million that are dead that is that what it's saying now yeah okay let's let's take that figure 6.5 million still we got 20 million dead from the vaccination yeah well here we go and the cases listed which that number could be bullshit too yep 623 million so basically a 1% fatality rate yeah. Yeah. And that's uh that's being generous by giving them 1%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the flu fatality rate uh I'm looking up right now 0. 0.6%. 0.6. As a, as average 0.6%. Yeah. So they're fairly close. Yeah, so they're they're reasonable. Uh, they can look at COVID as a bad flu, then. Yeah, a bad yeah, flu. It's, it's something you certainly don't want to get. Yeah, definitely. But the the guy you're talking about is Doctor Roger Hodgkinson. Yes, he's a pathologist out west who is, of course, he's like Oliver Stone. Like Oliver Stone was a brilliant actor until he made JFK. Uh, then he was a kook. Yeah. Uh, now there's the, you know, Roger Hodgkinson was a fairly esteemed pathologist and quite respected in his field until he started critiquing uh, the effectiveness of the vaccine and the death rates and things like that. And I, I see an article, an AP article, when this uh, pandemic started that he was you know, discredited and he was out to lunch because what he was saying is the uh, the mortality rate or fatality rate of COVID isn't much different from the flu and time has proven him to be right. That's right, yeah. Of course, now that he goes against the mainstream narrative, of course he is a kook, right? That's right. You got to you gotta discredit him somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, just- just amazing. Um, you look at these these statistics, and he worked in in uh, conjunction with a gentleman. What's the name here? Peter Peter Halligan, who is a, a financial journalist and statistician, mm-hmm. who uh, gathered, who was uh, responsible for gathering the the information, which was yeah. rather interesting. So, yeah, so. Uh, these, by all means, we have uh, a reputable uh, group of people putting uh, uh, together a, a calculation of 
femur, if it was half right, it would be a, it'd be an atrocity, atrocity uh, in this world. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you think about 20 million dead, you know, there, during the Holocaust, we're, we're looking at 6 million. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Now we're talking 20 million dead. Two point in two years? Yeah, in two years, 2.2 billion people adversely affected and probably had their lives shortened. And he's not even taking into account people that are going that missed out on uh, things such as cancer diagnosis and things of that nature. That wasn't even calculated into that loss either. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. It's... Uh... Unbelievable. And we've seen for ourselves um, our experience with people that we know um, who have been part involved in getting health care. And there was good and there was a lot of bad. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's insane. It, yeah. it makes you want to scream, actually, just from the, 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 that people don't see this. And well, you know, they, believe it. they refuse to believe it. They're so they've taken so much of the Kool-Aid uh, that they they refuse to see um, anything other than what the government tells them. Yeah. Yeah. And I do know a lot of the people I've talked to, though, that will talk in front of you that you have that type of relationship with them have said they're done with it. That's it. Yeah, I did my two. I'm out. And uh, I actually a neighbor was talking to us about that tonight. You know, just a regular guy who didn't want to get it in the first place did. And then he ended up with COVID and he's just saying, ah, I'm done. That's it. And he figures most of the people he works with uh, feel the same way. Yeah, that makes sense. And did you ever, did you hear the second big uh, bell to ring regarding COVID and the COVID vaccine? In the European um, uh, Parliament is having hearings right now. And they had the head of Pfizer testifying at these hearings. And during the testimony of uh, the head of Pfizer, he openly admitted that there was at no time any testing done or any proof that the COVID vaccine would stop transmission of the virus. <laughs> and, and that certainly uh, came to fruition, didn't it? Yeah. And, but think about it. Remember uh, people saying, you got to do this for your family, your your parents to stop them getting it. You got to you got to take that shot as to be a good citizen to prevent your neighbors and friends getting this 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 thing. That's a bunch mm-hmm. of horseshit. It's a whole bunch of horseshit. Well, look that, at look at look, the progression. The progression was they needed two weeks to flatten the curve. You needed to wear your mask. None of that worked. We have a vaccine. You need a shot, and you'll be protected. Oh, wait, you need a second shot. Oh, it won't stop it, but you'll get 
less symptoms and you won't transmit it. Oh, wait, you'll have less, um, you, you know, you need the third booster. You won't die. <laughs> and more people have died. Like, I mean, how many, I, I, I know of maybe indirectly one or two people have died of COVID. Mm-hmm. I've known, and, and this is again, again, what do you, what do you call this? Um, kind of just uh, word of mouth, but there's a lot of people that have got things that, um, you know, cancers and, and other strange uh, diseases, and some of them have been fatal. A lot more than I know of people that have died of COVID. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. <clears throat> yeah. And that's, that's the thing, like, holy smokes. What the hell is going on? And and yet, the public health uh, people in charge of public health are still pushing this damn jab. Mm-hmm. And pushing for it. And, you know, besides the, the admission by Pfizer stating that the the taking of the, the, the vaccine would not prevent transmission of the virus, we have the, the state of uh, Florida issuing uh, uh, medical health orders saying if you're under 40 you shouldn't be you shouldn't touch this vaccine exactly that's right that's why I, I, I forgot what state it was yeah that's right between 18 and 40 they said th- that you shouldn't get it yeah because the extremely high incident of myocarditis and heart issues yes yeah yeah yeah, I, I and and we know it's going around again. Yeah, uh, a relative was in the hospital and we couldn't see him because he uh, there was an outbreak of COVID in the ward. Uh, we know of somebody who's had the three shots is now laid out with COVID. Yep, you know, and it's like it just it, it uh, doesn't work. It doesn't work. I know. I got. Uh, two people I know that uh, are friends of mine that I do some training with and and do some stuff with, they are both three-shot people, and they just been diagnosed with COVID again. Mm -hmm. Not for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, And here they are with COVID. Antibody dependent enhancement. Antibody dependent enhancement. I I'm no expert, but basically, uh, th- this was actually one of the deciding factors where I decided I wasn't going to get it because I didn't think it would be very effective. Was, and then you know what? And at the time, I was pretty much in the loop, uh, you know, believing this the so-called science that. You know, this is like SARS, man. You do not want this. And I think to some extent that was true in the the initial um, uh, virus. Yeah. Yeah. But the dengue fever trial vaccine in the Philippines, where there are several um, versions of the the virus, and they found that the vaccine, in fact, made them people more susceptible to one of the um, versions of the virus. 
Yeah. That's what I thought. In, a, in the MNRA technology, I thought, where has this been used? And there's been trials. Yeah. And there's been research done on it. And, you know, maybe one day, it, for some reason, it will work. But not. it ain't working now. Uh, yep. The science and isn't there. It's, it's all. No. Yeah. It's all bullshit. Yeah. I think a lot of people's reactions are a lot like when people get scammed. Yeah. By online. Yeah. They are embarrassed. Yeah. They're embarrassed. They try to rationalize it. Yeah. And they can't admit that, you know, they were wrong because you know what? They gave, like, I'm waiting for it for my job. I was put in front of an HR uh, twit who spent an hour basically trying to shame me into getting it. It it was basically harassment. You know, I can't, I haven't heard a word from them since. I, I, I wonder if they're going to tell me, if, if they tell me this fall that they want me to get vaccinated again, they're going to go fuck themselves. Yeah. I'm done. I quit. Yeah. I'll quit right then and there. Yeah. I'm not doing that again. Not going through that crap. That's for sure. No. no. Yeah. And it, they, 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 if they're that stupid, I don't want to be associated with them anyways. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I, I was uh, visiting uh, a relative last week. I brought my granddaughter over for a visit. The person that asked me because I, I'm not vaccinated. They wanted me to wear a mask if I went in the house. Jeez. So I stayed outside yep. and cut my visit short. Yep, I wouldn't. I, I don't blame you. Uh, the masks uh, offer absolutely no protection whatsoever. No, I mean, and uh, like a custom in Asia, that there might be some benefit if you have symptoms and you have to go out. Yeah. But as far as you know, preventing having the healthy unless... having the healthy wear masks doesn't make sense. Maybe no. putting a mask on the the unhealthy. Yeah. Or the people that are, are, like you said, exhibiting symptoms. Yeah, that makes some more sense, right? Yeah, hold it. The studio audience is saying something. It's because we were unvaccinated. Had we been vaccinated, we could have gone in with no mask. Oh yeah, if we were. We were. If we were vaccinated, they would have let us go in without a mask. Oh okay. And who is making do- these crazy decisions? Was it just a, a family member? Yes. Yeah, they had no idea what the science says. Or, or anything else, right? And this is where the problem is. It's like I said, it's dividing families. It's, uh, you know, it's doing all kinds of crap out there. You know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, unintended consequences that are, that are occurring. Maybe there are intended consequences for that matter. Yeah. yeah I, I wonder, um, what do you think? Do you think they're going to push for a vaccine again this fall and put in mandates? Well, if they do, they'll there'll be uh, a lot more pushback. I think if they if they try, mm-hmm. I think uh, like a lot of pushback if they try. They, I think if they start to try to restrict movement again, if they try to start forcing people to take the vaccine or make that a a, a requirement, lots of issues would will occur. Um, with people yeah. standing up and saying no, because mm-hmm. people are, are, are seeing, starting to see this, you know, 
uh, before it was like two or three percent of the people were getting the the real news and finding out what's happening. But now the news you can't you can't hold it down. It's like it's like that beach ball trying to hold a beach ball full of air underwater. You, you can only do it so long before it's going to blow its way to the surface, and there's no stopping the information from flowing. So yeah. you have to take that into account, and I think that is what's starting to happen. I think people are starting to see when when families and friends and stuff are starting to drop drop like flies, and the only common denominator is is the vaccine, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And people are just starting to a little seed is being planted in people's minds, saying, "Hey, that doesn't sound like it's too safe." Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the kind of the sad part is that on one hand, you want people to wake up. But on the other hand, the only way that people are really seriously starting to wake up is as a result of losing people they care about. Yeah. That's the sad and, part, right? Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's totally uh, this crap, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have that. We have, um, you know, there's a lot on the COVID front. We have the the, the this uh, atrocious number of uh, fatalities from it. The jab. We have the Pfizer admitting that the vaccine never was uh, had any proof or any tests that indicated that it would stop transmission after receiving it. That it would stop transmission from person to person. We have um, the state of uh, Cal or uh, state of Florida. Uh, giving the highest order they can from their medical health saying for people under the age of 40, not to take the vaccine. You have the, the country of Denmark uh, and Sweden, not just saying not to take it, but actually issuing an, uh, a, a law or an a de- uh, edict to their medical community, not to give vaccines to people under 40. Yeah. So, you know, it's coming around. People, you know, uh, there's countries are starting to realize, I mean, yeah, there's uh, there's issues here. So that should keep people's eyes. You know, that's one of those things. You can't hide that from the rest of the population. Can you imagine? Well, I don't think we're going to have to imagine for too long. What some people are going to do to some of these people who push this when they start losing loved ones. Yep. They put two and two together. Yeah. Or people that are, are have serious health uh, issues and then mm-hmm. figure they had nothing to lose. Right. Yep. And, but they still have an active, you know, a physical body that they can do things that they know their time is short. What's to stop them from uh, from taking things into their own hands and uh, pulling off a little bit of justice for themselves? Yeah, yeah. And if, like you said last week, if uh, they don't get it from the courts... Um, They'll get it on the streets. Yeah. I certainly would not want to be a politician. And, and there's people of every political party that have pushed this. Doug yeah. Ford, um, you know, the federal, the federal, uh, every, you know, both parties on the federal, all three parties on the federal level. Yeah. Um, 
medical officers of health, uh, heads of corporations, heads of crown corporations, places like that. Yep. They're 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 going to spend the next decade facing the wrath of people, I think. Yeah. Well, they're going to be their heads are going to have to be on a swivel and they're going to have to keep one eye open at night. Yeah, that's for sure. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. And um, you know, the wheels I think optimistically, I'm thinking the wheels of justice will finally grind over these people, but a lot of people aren't that patient. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm certainly uh, uh, going to be lose it if any of my siblings or, or children uh, who have gotten vaccinated um, get damaged by it. Certainly going to hold somebody responsible. Yep. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, I, I, I remember I remember how angry I was. Um, as we were touring uh, in Cambodia, and we were in one of the um, processing centers. It was a, a adapted. It was a, basically a school that was changed into literally a torture and extermination center. And under this, during the time of Pol Pot, and of the estimated over a hundred thousand people that went through this facility, there was only two survivors. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the two survivors, one was a, an artist whose job uh, was to document things. They, they gave him the job of documenting, painting uh, things that were going on. And the other one was a mechanic that it, Turned out, uh, as he toured this this facilities, there was lines of pictures of the guards and the people committing these atrocities, with their names underneath, with a, a, a picture of them, right in the the, the in the facility, right. Mm-hmm. And I I said, what's going on with these people? Are have they been hunted down? Have they been brought to justice has has anything happened and their reply was no nothing's happened because we it was decided not to to persecute the these guards and then only uh go after the top echelon two people were convicted of genocide in relation to the pol pot and one of his lieutenants everybody else was more or less forgiven i said you know i felt so horrible at that point of what I've seen at this site I was willing as a complete stranger to go and hunt these people down oh that's yeah how, that's how I felt at the time seeing this and I said those people those, those people should have their heads on a swivel I said if I had lost a family member as a result of these people I wouldn't be as forgiving and that mm-hmm. translates right across the world for anything and I think if you know like you said if people, uh, enough people start losing loved ones and to this thing, there has to be an atonement. Mm-hmm. And that will occur. And these people who push this are going to have to answer for these these sins, basically. And I'll yeah. have to on that from there. Wonder, 
if there would be if a similar thing happened well <laughs> in another way a similar thing is happening in canada would canadians be that forgiving yeah i don't i don't see it myself but then again there's living proof that one culture did um and it was absolutely like the killing fields were absolutely brutal yeah so i don't know um time will tell i guess yeah time will yeah tell. i hope these people spend the rest of their lives being shunned ostracized and taken to court and yep. compensating in one way or the yep. other i hope they're they're bankrupt they're they're imprisoned and i i the last thing i want to wish on them is death because I want them to pay for their, their 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 actions every single day for the rest of their miserable lives in, in, in a prison. Yeah. That would yeah, be that's, that's far that, better than any kind of death or, or things yeah. of that nature. Yep, to, they'd be deprived of their status and lifestyle. Yep. And uh, feel the wrath and, sh and disgust of everybody around them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a heavy one for our first topic. Now, uh, almost as heavy, there is information out that Canada is the most liberal country in the world for euthanasia. And we discussed this on previous podcasts. So Canada is the most liberal country for euthanasia in the world. They just took another huge giant step that way today. Did you see the, the headlines on that? No. This, what they've now incorporated, they say, not only people can uh, opt for euthanasia if they're, you know, if, even if they suffer from depression or from a medical condition or anything of that nature. Basically, it allows people for any reason pretty well just to go sign up and check out. You know what I mean? Mm hmm But now they've included that if you have a child under the age of one, that has uh, a medical uh, uh, def deformation or a, a medical condition that's a permanent medical condition or uh, a, a, a permanent uh, birth defect. If they're under one, you can opt to have that child uh, eliminated now. Retroactive abortion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just passed today and allowing that in our country. So as it stands, since these laws have come into effect, Canada has euthanized approximately 30,000 people. Well, I mean, we always talked about this, that would be a slippery slope because yep. again, euthanasia has its place. We all have seen people that uh, have had terminal illness, and, um, you know, their last few weeks or months have been pretty excruciating. And, you know, it makes sense there. Yeah. But now they're offering it, they're even offering it to people with mental conditions. Yeah. Suffering from depression and mental disorders, for sure. Yeah. They call it MAID, Medical Assistance in Dying. Yeah. Or mad. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and the again the uh, the child thing is just unbelievable. Yeah. But yeah, you know. so an, another uh, total atrocity being uh, occurring and uh, another form of uh, population control. Basically, that's the way I look at it. Is, oh yeah, and it, it, it's 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 and, medical triage. And, yeah, it's medical triage, and it's a way of saving medical costs on uh, care for people is by encouraging them to uh, euthanize themselves. Yeah. 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 Like, um, I mean, especially with the children, right? Because they're young and they save themselves um, millions, millions of dollars in healthcare costs. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, you know what other uh, society that did that as well? Yes, I do. Yeah. I think they called it, I forgot what they called it, Article something, Article, uh, oh, let me, let me just check on that. I, I'll get back to you. It's like Article 12 or Article 14 of the, uh, which was the order of the euthanizing of all children, regardless of age, for if they had medical defects or or if they're mentally handicapped. Mm -hmm. And that was carried out by uh, a leading Nazi who ended up uh, going under the noose for that. Yeah. What they did is they had these vans that would go around from to uh, insane asylum to insane asylum. And basically uh, the families didn't even know that it was happening. They were actually being told that uh, they just passed away. Their loved one just passed away. Um, they would send a van around and basically sit them in the van and just feed the exhaust into the van. Yeah. And wow, that's, that's how they started. That's how they started. And they progressed from that to um, Jews and gypsies and homosexuals and whoever else they felt uh, yeah political prisoners yeah political yes. opposition yeah now if you say that i remember i got into a discussion with somebody in the 90s about the gun laws because they started with the registration of firearms i was really against that and one of the, you know, I explained my point was, well, here we are in the slippery slope. Um, the Nazis did the same thing. Here we are, 2022. We're now um, starting to uh, selectively kill people who just uh, aren't uh, worth, in their words, keeping. Yeah. So. Just yeah. like uh, our Justin said, you know, uh, do we tolerate these people? And yeah, you know, you know that whole whole explanation it just falls in line with what's starting to happen, right? Again, you somebody would we you draw that conclusion uh, or comparison uh, between the Nazis and this, they'll say, "Oh no, look at Justin Trudeau or liberals. They only they care about people. They they don't hate Jews. No, but they hate." truckers or anti-vaxxers or so-called there we have that slippery slope again when's when's the next thing they're going to do yeah i i um 
my wife and I were talking about it uh, recently about this uh, sort of event. The the um, and then and you'll see it. You also see it in the global warming um, end of things and. Uh, with regards to LGBT, XYZ, all of these movements, you can see that it brings out the people in society who are control freaks. Yeah. They love imposing restrictions or mandates on other people. On other people. That's right. We had like the perfect storm with the... Uh, total narcissistic sociopathic prick um, in power that all his underlings are also uh, fitting his personality because he can't tolerate anybody who disagrees with him. And they've just run roughshod over our freedoms and rights. That's and right. the, it infuriate. And that, you know, he was talking about when Trudeau was going on about, um, what do we do these people if that was his sociopathic personality coming out that it wasn't the fact that you know they they didn't want to do something it's the fact that they disagreed with him and weren't doing what he wanted them to do that's right and and it drives them crazy how how and, dare somebody oppose them right yeah and it's it's the same uh, as in the environmental movement. The environmental movement, like the, 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 you know, follow the science. If you followed the science, there wouldn't be a single fucking electric car or windmill, massive windmill up. Yeah. Wind, po- wind, power, wind power is a good idea in a small home. Yeah, but not a large scale. Yeah, and solar panels as well. Putting them on residential roofs is, is a good idea. These large uh, ground mount solar farms are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, electric cars are ridiculous. I mean, you're seeing the, again, this is just the sa- similar backlash is coming out with regards to climate science and the vaccine mandates and um electric vehicles people are starting to push back because they're seeing they're calling bullshit yeah and i mean when an electric car has its carbon footprint is the same as a regular vehicle the same size for a period of seven years before there's any gain of uh of of, uh, benefit from a carbon or electricity over uh, fuels seven years is a hell long time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a so, vehicle to last all we're doing is delaying the pollution from occurring here and making sure it's occurring over there instead yes well i mean there's a million things wrong i mean i think an electric vehicle might have its niche in a certain place. Yeah. Like maybe in a city where, I mean, you have a high density traffic, uh, short trips, and people could charge it at night 
It makes sense. Like you just need to go from point A to point B, Monday to Friday. Yeah. In an urban environment. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. If you're going anywhere from city to city, it makes no sense. Yeah. They're finding now, like it, uh, you're you're seeing these anecdotal uh, uh, narratives on Facebook of people who've bought these things, and you know they buy this Tesla and they say, "Oh, it's got a range of 200 miles." Well, at 100 miles, they get the low battery light. <laughs> like they're not getting the mileage, and no. they're also in a in the Canadian climate. Wait till these people are driving and doing their commute in cold weather yeah. needing their lights on and needing their heaters on yep and their wiper blades and everything else yeah yeah it's gonna be a shit show oh yeah yeah and that's and see, that's and the serious part about it right yeah and this is what makes me mad like environmentalism started out as a really good idea yeah let us minimize waste let us in fact, or affect the environment as small as possible. Yep. I mean, I was at design the efficiencies, today. right? Yeah. I was at the dump today and it still drives me crazy. I see the shit people throw out. Yeah. But it's morphed into this fascist <clears throat> ideology that we are some sort of virus affecting the earth and um, we need to be controlled and i mean it's the whole global warming uh idea is pretty much a hoax i was reading some today where uh there you have, you've heard of climate gate right climate date gate gate no uh yeah I, i've heard of it but i don't haven't heard what yeah the, what, what it's what, all about though yeah what happened is a bunch of eminent climate in quotations scientists at different universities around the world were emailing each other back and forth and somehow someone got a hold of these emails and and publicized them and it was uh an indictment of these guys were sitting there explaining how they're going to eliminate certain uh sets of data in order to sub uh support the idea of man-made global warming Oh, okay. What, for example, there was a period, there was a warming period between, I think it was 950 and 1050 AD. Yeah. That we had this, we had this, this warming period. And well, I'm sorry, but that was pre-industrial. Yeah. And um, certainly we had a minimal effect on the environment then. Yeah. And so how do we Probably less than a billion people in the world at that time yeah well and yeah and then and coal wasn't used uh i don't think in any um was most it was all wood right and yeah. so there's this warming period and they took that out in a lot of their analysis in order to you know basically cook the books to prove the relationship between uh, uh, atmospheric CO2 levels and um, the Earth's temperature. So, I mean, you know, and you always get these pictures of them showing, oh, look, at this is the exact same picture 50 years from now. Is it the same season? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where they show, and again, how much of sea levels rose, risen? Yeah. 
marginally. All these places that claimed they'd be underwater by 1990 are still thriving communities, uh, large uh, in, in, the, in the South Pacific. They haven't sunk underwater or disappeared. No. I, I, uh, what do they call that place uh, where Obama lives? Um, oh, Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. Vineyard. That's not yeah. underwater, and that's almost at sea level. Too has, bad. Yeah. Yet, uh, you know, one of the big proponents of uh, climate change was uh, Obama himself, who then buys a, an estate in, Var- uh, in Martha's Vineyard overlooking the ocean. You think if he is that concerned that he wouldn't have bought that place, right? Yeah, and there's this this gentleman. You'll see his his name escapes me, but you see his uh, uh, he's answering a question to some Australian lady uh, at a, some sort of presentation about the environment because she's one of these environmental Karens that's going on about how we're destroying the the earth and da 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 da. And he says, well, how come insurance companies and banks still loan people money to build on the coast? Yeah. You know, they're thinking of their investment, you know, 25, 30 years. Down you the think, road, yeah. Yeah. Here's, there's, a, there's- here's a funny, here's a good experiment I heard today. And you take a, a, a big glass or a beer cup, right? Mm-hmm. You fill it with ice, and then you put water in it until it gets to the very top of the, the glass. So it's right at you got that meniscus of water there that's almost ready to, to spill over. Mm-hmm. And that ice melts, but your cup never spills over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put that on a larger scale. Because the density of ice is not um... any, you know. It's less has a lower density than water. That's right, because it has a lot of oxygen, air, and everything else in it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why ice floats. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just see. Um, also, do you know that the first Green Party was the Nazi Party? <laughs> okay. There no, I didn't a, know that. Yeah, there was a a, um, a gentleman by the name of Herman Flohn, F-L-O-H-N. Okay. And he, he was a scientist for um, the German Meteorological Service. He became the chief meteor- meteorologist for the Luftwaffe. Really? And okay. Yeah. And he's started an article about the activity of man as a climate factor and it's it goes on that the reich had like a reich had nature protection laws starting in the 30s and yeah so the reality was or is that you know technologically and and i've been in this business for close to 40 years of and when I the time the difference between when I started my career and now that technologically we have advanced quite a bit in 
reducing industrial effect on the environment, on becoming more energy efficient, and producing products in a much cleaner environment. Yeah. And it wasn't, it, 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 it is, you know, there is government laws and things like that. But the people that I've worked around in the industrial environment have realized it's good for business. Yeah, it's good. For, it's good for their bottom line. So they've been striving all these years to make a better product uh, with less energy and less impact of the environment. Yeah, we've been striving for that. Yeah, it's a good cost savings to them as well, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, and that, that's fact, like uh, Polyver uh, had brought a, a point up to uh, in in uh, Parliament. In the last few days, he he said to Trudeau, he says, you know, here we are post uh, carbon tax. And from all the carbon tax collected, there hasn't been a change at all in the carbon levels and emissions of in Canada. No. So what is the point of the carbon tax? And show me show me how the carbon tax is benefiting and reducing carbon. Yeah. Oh, and did he answer? Of no, course not. of course not. Was he even there? Yeah, he was there, but he, he, he again went into uh, a word salad, uh, salad about uh, how the liberals are very positive about uh, um, environmental uh, issues and da da da, but never answered the question. No, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. But Polivier brought up another really good point. And he, he lit, he did a, a brilliant example. He was talking about a local greenhouse yeah. that um, grows tomatoes. Did you see that? No, I didn't. No. And he was talking about how the carbon tax, what they do is uh, I've done some work Ooh. in greenhouses. And what they do actually is they it's... will have a, a natural gas burner yeah. to produce carbon dioxide in which they pump into, into the, greenhouse. the greenhouse. Because the, the plants use the CO2 in the photosynthesis process and they have a higher yield under a higher CO2 content. That's right. Like, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. Like, like every single fucking plant on the planet. Yes. So higher CO2 levels, more growth. More growth. Exactly. Anyways, well, of course, they're paying the carbon tax on that natural gas that they use to heat the greenhouses. And, and, and he says, isn't that amazing? The fact is that we have a local greenhouse that you takes natural gas, pumps it into uh, the greenhouse to heat it and up the carbon dioxide content and provides fresh fruit to Canadians. Rather, he says, now what's happened is with the introduction of the carbon tax, the next level, the company is finding that they're not competitive with Mexican tomatoes. That's right. So what is it? What happens, he says? Okay, so we ship tomatoes from Mexico via truck and train Which to Canada. Which huge amounts of carbon for the good old air there, yeah. Yeah. Remember remember the example um, I, 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 I used before where the Chinese thought, the communist Chinese thought that there was a direct 
relationship between the amount of steel that a country produced and its and its uh, um, standard of living. Yeah. So and, yep. they went nuts trying to produce steel and, in fact, did a drain of uh, resource people for growing food and they ended up with, you know, starvation. This is the same um, tunnel process. vision yeah. that these idiots have in Ottawa. As the yep. liberal idiots, they're yeah, they, all they can think of is how do we reduce carbon? How do we reduce carbon? Yeah, so they don't re think of the anything else. They don't look at unintended consequences. No, they just, they just carry on and they don't see how A affects B and C and D. Yeah, and the Russian communists did the same thing with collectivization. They starved a million people to death. Yeah, they're going like you. You. Um, we're talking about at the beginning of our last podcast, at the end of our podcast, the prediction that Canada is going to go through a generation of a weak economy. That's right. And, 30 to 40 years. Yep. And it's because of these pricks and their um, absolutely insane ideas. And again, we get back to the thing is the best way for your society to survive and thrive is to have a free market economy where the best idea wins and you have natural competition, successes and failures, and this society begins to grow yep. in, in wealth and um, technology. Yep. Totally agree with that. Um, it's, it, you know, obviously again, uh, free market always outwins uh uh, communists or socialist uh, ideas when it comes to to economic growth for sure. Mm -hmm. They just mm -hmm. they it, it's like all the the issues and problems they're creating for the oil fields and the oil refineries and the and coal and all this kind of stuff. We can make it here cleaner and get it to market cleaner. Now now that we're not available to do that, we're relying on big huge oil tankers coming from Saudi Arabia and who have no pollution controls who are blasting all kinds of uh, hydrocarbons into the air and then uh -huh. shipping it on a big large oil burning uh, a cargo ship to to basically go uh, halfway around the world to bring it to us it creates more of an issue than if we had done it here cleanly yeah so again, this is like um, the Soviet system where they had to uh, impose collectivization as part of their political philosophy. And regardless of the results, they had to do it because they uh, were totally inflexible and they realized that if we didn't we didn't do this then our whole philosophy is a failure and this is the same thing with these guys they, yeah you know the, it's the same thing with them and vaccines is the fact is that they they what's their solution more vaccines <laughs> just keep yeah. needling these guys right yeah. and you know a, a definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over, over and over again yep. yeah expecting different results and they're doing it in every aspect of our lives they get almost to ev every idea they get everything wrong yeah they can't help themselves 
Yeah, like you said earlier, they they never lose an opportunity to lose an opportunity. Yep. So, yeah, there we have it so far. That's uh, quite a bit on our plate. You have been listening to the Canadian Beacon Podcast. We would love to hear your comments or suggestions. Please email us at cbpodcast at codegeco.ca or follow us on Facebook under the Canadian Beacon.